Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around L.A. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Hungry dogs run fast. to the Ringers Philly special Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak and ace producer Cliff Augustine. It is 2.15 a.m. Eastern time. It is 11.15 p.m. Pacific time. Benny Souls has just been talking for like three hours straight, I feel like, but he's looking fresh. He's looking happy. Eagles, Jalen Carter at 9, Nolan Smith at 30. Two players we talked about. You can't wipe the smile off your face, Benny Souls. How you doing? It's just the thing about the NFL draft is how easy it is. People forget this all the time. They say, <laughs> oh, the NFL draft is so challenging. It's so difficult. Who should we pick? It's so hard to figure out who the good players are. It's so hard to figure out how to get them. But really, when you boil it down, uh, take the entire 2021 Georgia National Championship defense. That was that personally for me, good strategy. Uh, what a what what a draft. It's so sick to just not need any position and to just be like, who's the best player? This excellent defensive lineman from Georgia? Sure, take him. 
I'll run the clock again. Who's the best available player? Another excellent defensive lineman for sure. We'll take him too. It's so much fun. Look at all these these little teams, all these little wild card teams, the non playoff teams, just squirreling <laughs> around looking for positional fits and 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 team needs. No, not for me. Just gonna draft the whole Georgia defensive line because I can. Lovely. When you zoom out and you're like the team that just got to the Super Bowl may have gotten the best player in the draft. I mean, that is possible. Mm-hmm. Listen, there's there's uh, uncertainty uh, to everything. I would say it's easy to, you know, predict these picks. I mean, it was very easy for me on our mock draft show. They're going to trade. Now, I did trade say up they're going to trade up to seven. So I don't know if that, you know, I, I get dinged there. I didn't say trade up nine and draft Jalen Carter. But that's what they did. Let's just, all right, let's just talk about each of these players one by mm-hmm. one. I mean, Jalen Carter. I feel like we're just going to be repeating what we said on the pre-draft shows. But when I watched Jalen Carter, I was just like, oh my goodness, I see what why everyone loves this guy. He moves differently. He can win with quickness. He can win with power. He is tossing dudes around on the film. He is using the Reggie White hump move on the film. He is going from one spot to the next. And you're saying, wait a minute, he's 314 pounds. How does he move that way? Uh, really my type of defensive lineman. I don't need like the, you know, the, the big boy run stuffer who got, I need someone with some special traits. He's got those special traits. I said it before the draft that I thought he had the best film of any prospect uh, in this year's class. So I don't know that there's like what else there really is to say about him as a player. I mean, he's someone who yeah. comes in and can wreck run plays. He can wreck pass plays. He can push the pocket. Like I said, he can win in different ways. Uh, just a very complete, fun-to-watch defensive tackle. What What did I miss the, uh, uh, that you can add? The uh, uh, Watching the highlight reel that they show after the pick was made was so fun because it, like, you know, it snaps to like a play of him against Vanderbilt. And you're like, oh, wait, I remember this play. It's one where he slings the guard, and then he makes a tackle on the back, and it's that one. And then they... they, they they wipe the screen. It goes to the one against LSU. And you're like, this is this is the sack where he picks up Jaden Daniels. And then that happens like six times. Like they, I, I, I was watching with a, with a bunch of the ringer crew, Danny, Kelly, like our draft guy, like a bunch of them. And just they were laughing watching me watch the Carter plays. And because I, I knew all of them, but I was still there as like a kid. Just being like, are you guys seeing this? The uh, the um, the level of physical dominance is rare. Uh, it is not every year that the best defensive tackle in the class is as physically dominant, as physically gifted, as clearly NFL caliber, as clearly high tier NFL caliber as Jalen Carter is this year. So it's like, like it's the reason why I emphasize that is because oftentimes we'll say when the first guy goes off the board, we're like, oh, he's great physical gifts. And like, we're saying that because he's being drafted early for the NFL draft, which means he does. But Carter, even among NFL players, Great physical gift. So this is not a body type and a, an athletic profile that you get to draft every single year. And then the thing that I would I would add on to what you said is like he's NFL ready in terms of how he wins, hands, leverage, positioning, uh, you know, reading out blocks, playing in a one gap, playing two gap, playing slow, playing fast, react, attack, attack, react. Like he had to do it all at Georgia. They run every front under the sun, and he had to do it from a variety of alignments. And he was like, you know, he'd be next to Jordan Davis on one snap. And then he'd be on the field without Jordan Davis and he would need to play on the interior in the next snap. Like they would rotate their guys around. And so he's just been all over the line, played a ton of techniques and done them all at a high level. Like this should be a smooth transition in terms of the football side of things 
into playing NFL defenses, into playing a Sean Desai's defense with versatility. Should be able to play next to, to to Jordan Davis on early downs, and then be able to play without Jordan Davis on the field on late downs. Like that, like it does not get better in terms of drafting a guy and expecting him to succeed immediately at the NFL level than a prospect like Jalen Carter. Again, from a football perspective, and the Eagles got that player at nine. You just don't you usually have to take that player at two or three or four, and the Eagles took that player at nine. So it, an enormous win. Now, the the broadcast I, I was watching the ESPN broadcast. I don't know broadcast you got did a lot in terms of the Eagles have a great environment for Carter to step into to like see how professional works, right? You have veteran guys and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. We're going to show like, you know, this is the maturity level that you have to have the preparation level you have to have for the NFL level. And also he's going to have ex teammates, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean. And as we learned later, Nolan Smith, and that'll help him out. There's some veracity to that, but the ball's in Carter's court. Carter is responsible for being the player that he needs to be. I should say the individual he needs to be as a professional football player to remain focused, to be on field, to, to maximize his potential. It's nice to say like, Oh, the Eagles have the infrastructure. I don't think that's wrong, but it really is on Carter. And that's the outstanding question mark is this pick. You don't get to take a player with this football profile at nine, instead of at two and three and a four, unless there's something, or unless there's a hook. And this is the hook is that you, you, you hope that Carter has the maturity and, and, and the on-field focus, the preparation focus necessary to actually reach that maximized potential to be that player that he's, he, so clearly can be that's uh that's on uh that's on dom that's on the eagles to, to get it done and the hope is that they will yeah last thing uh and i want to respond to that in a second last thing on just the on field because i think it is an important point defensive tackle typically takes some time to uh to produce however it does feel different than like jordan davis last year remember it was we could we would always talk about the projection like all right this is an unbelievable athlete he was used in a certain way at Georgia. It might take some time for him uh, in the NFL. It might not be different with Carter, but it feels different to to the point you just made. Like you can see it, what he exactly what he did on film last yep. year and how that would translate to the NFL. I mean, if he's like just his potential is as a game wrecker, like just destroying possessions, destroying series, getting the offense behind the sticks. Uh, all those things, a very impactful player. So I don't know when that will happen, how quickly it can happen, but man, the potential is right there compared to even other defensive tackles who typically get taken in the top 10. All right. So why was he available at number nine to the, to the point you just made there? Uh, listen, the, the Seahawks had a pick at number five. The Seahawks are willing to take on, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, off field risks, characteristics, all those things. And they took Devon Witherspoon, a undersized corner, instead of Jalen Carter. Uh, Chris Mortensen, I believe, pointed out that three teams ahead of the Eagles, uh, I think I saw yeah. this somewhere, uh, had Carter completely off this. their board. Yeah, yeah. At least three teams ahead of the Eagles had Carter completely off their board. So obvious, valid questions. What exactly are those questions? Do they relate to uh, the Athens Police Department? securing an arrest warrant for misdemeanor charge of reckless driving and racing uh, following Carter's involvement in a fatal crash in January where he pled no contest. Is it about that one incident? Is it about his work habits, his practice habits at Georgia? Yeah. It is, is it some combination of all those things? I'm sure there's other stuff that we have no idea about. Yeah. Something that that's worth highlighting with Jill and Carter. Yeah. Is that the first mention of Carter like locker room questions and maybe some off-field questions, personality questions were from Todd McShay in December of 2022, December of this cycle. 
Uh, he brought it up on an ESPN mock, and then he mocked them Carter to like two to the Seahawks. So he was like, this is a thing that's going to happen, but also like the league might not care too much. The racing uh, for which Carter was arrested, the, 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 the accident occurred in January. So before that yes. even happened, McShay was talking about this stuff. So there's like, this has been a thing around Carter in, in the shadows in the background. And then it was really brought to light by the accident in January and the subsequent arrest in March. So there's definitely like, this is a thing. And the Eagles are going to have to be aware of it being a thing and, and monitor it being a thing in terms of like, how is Jalen Carter behaving? Like, that's just the long and short of it. Like, what's Jalen Carter up to 24-7? Yeah, I think NFL Network, uh, they were pointing to that maybe Georgia's coaches did not give glowing reviews uh, about Carter to teams that were looking into uh, drafting him. So, uh, you know, it's it's a risk. It's a boomer bust pick. There are a wide range of outcomes. He could be out of the league before his rookie contract's over. He could be a multi. He could be a Hall of Famer. Like that's legitimately mm-hmm. uh, his ceiling. He has that type of ceiling um, with the talent that he has. So yeah, to your point, you know, there's always talk about culture and leadership, and we believe in our building. Well, now is where you kind of have to prove it. And to your point, it is still up to the individual. I mean, everyone in the building could do exactly what they're supposed to do. And ultimately, each person kind of decides their own path, the decisions they make, uh, what they want to do, how they want to approach it. But, uh, you know, from a culture standpoint, you mentioned it, BG, Fletcher Cox, Kelsey, Lane Johnson. I mean, they've got a lot of guys who have sort of been around uh, all different types of players, all different types of rookies. And I'm sure Nick Sirianni will be in their ear about, hey, we, you know, this guy can really help us right away. He can help us win a Super Bowl. We have to make sure we're there for him uh, to help him. And then Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis. I mean, he's he's got Dogs. all his teammates uh, in the building with him who have been around him day in, day out, off the field, all those things who know him well. So uh, I don't know, you know, my, my thing is always coaches are paid to coach. Like I, I get so annoyed when NFL people say things like, oh, well, this guy didn't run a full route tree or, uh, you know, this guy didn't play from under center in shotgun. It's like, yeah, you are paid millions and millions of dollars to teach these guys, to uh, develop them from what they are as prospects to what they could be as pros. Now, this is a little different. It's not the on-field fit. Uh, It's different, but still, that's why Nick Sirianni gets paid. That's why other people in the building get paid. So to me, Ultimately, we have to, you know, go on the record the night of the draft. Would we have made the move or would we have done something different? It's not hard for me. To me, yeah. the reward is absolutely worth the risk. You give up a fourth round pick to move up one spot to make sure you got him. Uh, I would not have done anything differently in this draft. I would have made the exact move that Howie Roseman made. Yeah, uh, when there were those that? when there were those rumors kind of an hour, two hours before the draft, it was like some teams have called up to three with the Cardinals for Jalen Carter. Uh, Eagles might call up to five with the Seahawks for Jalen Carter. I was like, all right, let's not get too far over our skis. Like, we're spending a big future pick to move up to get a guy who's got a field of concerns. Like, this is this is hefty now. Uh, to sit there at 10, let the Bears get on the board at nine and say, like, hey, we'll, we'll give you a future fourth and not take Carter here is, yeah, that's 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 such better work. And to have 10 just because of the the trading that you've previously done and then the work you've previously done in the draft and then say, all right, so like, because we kind of stole 10 overall here from the saints we can kind of gamble a little bit on a very high ceiling player like that's just good process it's like it's excellent process the eagles 
had the third most sacks in league history last year and added two defensive linemen. But it's good process. It's it board came to us. We moved around a little bit to make sure we could we could secure a guy, and we didn't you know just get get caught with our pants around the ankles by one pick. And we're going to add talent at a premium position where we've had success in the last five, 10 years now, winning by building through this position. It's just plain good process. Think about the number of teams who did something in this draft where you were like, what are you doing? And the Eagles are just... I know. It's, it's such a clear path to this is how we want to be successful. There's the, the clarity, the organizational alignment is just... It, it's such a relief to be rooting for and covering a team that does it that way because it's so cogent. It's so understandable. And like Carter just fits exactly how they do it and nolan smith fits exactly how they do it yeah and it's not always that way i mean we you know there have been drafts where you go on and go all right you can kind of talk yourself into it or you can see where they're coming from but it's not as clear i mean here again the risk and the reward they're both very clear here so it's not coming in saying he's absolutely going to be amazing and this is the home run 100 going to work out pick uh, it's just that uh, I believe that the reward is worth the risk. And your point about only moving up to nine when there were rumors, that's a good one. Kudos to Howie Roseman. I mean, he, in terms of just, hey, this is the player we want. How far up do we have to go to get him? What do we have to give up to make sure we get him? It looks like he played that perfectly. I mean, if you want to say, hey, he could have just sat there at 10 and gotten him, yes. Uh, but I mean, come on, they gave up, what, the 120th pick or something to yeah. make sure Future that they got Future him. Forth. They didn't. Future fourth, so not even the hundred and twenty. Yeah, that's right. It's next year's uh, fourth round pick. So good job by Howie reading the market. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Nolan Smith. We'll talk about some targets on day two. And then I have one other thing I got to uh, absolutely get to on the Ringers Philly special. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, we are back here. Do you brush before a podcast, Ben, just generally speaking? Do you brush your teeth? Teeth? Not your hair. Yeah. Oh, I was confused. No, I don't care about hair. Uh, Not, I don't feel like I have to. Why? Are you worried about my breath through the Zoom? No. I was just wondering, because sometimes if I have like eaten lunch or something, and then I know we're doing a pod and we've been, you know, Cliff's been doing a great job of posting more uh, video clips for us. I think I don't want something in my teeth, but uh, really uh, a painful mistake tonight. I I went up. I I thought, so like- I'm wearing a cozy flannel that I did housework in, and I thought I got all the, the thin set off of it, and I don't. So now every time I move my arms, you see that I got like goop on my arm, and I'm like, all right, that's on video, whatever. Um, are you a gum guy? Not, I'm not anti-gum, yeah. but no, I don't chew a lot of gum. I do, I'll do same, a breath mint more often. Yeah, see, and that's the thing is like I, I'm drinking a lot of coffee this week. It's a coffee week, and then I'm in person here. I'm in LA with the ringer doing like all this these pods and these video stuff and you're right next to these people and I'm like, I'm drinking so much coffee. I need to be chewing gum and you make sure that the breath is good. And every time I chew gum, I'm like, this stuff sucks, man. Gum is not good. Gum very overrated. I should have snagged some lifesavers from the Dallas airport. Got gum. Big mistake. Yeah, and gum, you don't know, like, do you do the sugar-free? Do you do, because if you're doing with sugar, it's not good for you. But if you do the sugar-free, then it's got the sugar alcohol stuff in there. That's not good yeah. for you. Then there are these natural gums out there, but then they lose their taste after like 10 seconds. And like, why chunks, am I chewing yeah. this thing that has no taste in it? Uh, so yeah, I, I would generally uh, agree with that take. I, I'll just, just do, I'll do more of like, a, I mean, you go to Trader Joe's. You, they got like the the Bobo Altoids at a Trader Joe's. That's generally oh, that'll catch my eye as I'm checking out. Yeah, I, just grab I didn't those know that. a nice a nice mint. You put those. Is, I put that, those in the travel the bag. Register? So I always have them. Yeah. Oh yeah. You see, I'm bagging at the register. I walk up to Trader Joe's. I got my bags. And I'm like, give me the items. I'm doing this. Here that. we go. I'm efficient in and out. So I'm not looking I, around. Yeah, it's as you walk up the aisle, but I'm totally, I mean, yeah. the people who just expect the person, oh, they are my servant, they need to bag You're for bagging. me. Like, please, yeah. can we give the people a I, hand there? You know, I love bagging. Get the bag when I out. Fit, when I fit everything successfully uh, into the two bags that I bring and it all makes uh, sense and it's all organized, what a feeling. High for the rest of the day. Anyway, Nolan Smith. And also, when you can put the cart away where you don't have to bring the cart to the car, because you're just like, I'm grabbing all these bags and yeah. I'm carrying them. Oh, so if I, I can, don't need to use if that If I can weird hand off the cart, cart to somebody too, if I can do a little, like they're walking in, I'm walking out, pass uh, it off. Gosh. Now you're living. Now right, you're yeah, exactly. living. All the right. Trader Joe's down. Nolan to Smith, 30th, <laughs> 30th pick. Eagles take Nolan Smith. This was a player, and I think I said it on here. One of the players I had the hardest time uh, forming a very strong opinion about because I'm like, I see why people love Nolan Smith. Athletic freak ran four three nine at the combine. I think uh, fastest time. What was it? Fastest time for a player his size. I forget what the exact stat was. Something like that. Uh, elite vertical and broad jumps. Uh, just uh, as you mentioned, just a dog for that Georgia defense. Uh, just you listen to his press conferences at the combine. You'll fall in love with the guy. So he had all that stuff going for him at the same time. 238 pounds, 
coming off a season-ending injury last year that limited him to 188 snaps and just 11 and a half sacks in four seasons. So I was really going back and forth. Do I like this guy? Do I not like this guy? You seem to be pretty firm that you were in on Nolan yeah. Smith, correct? So yeah, I had Nolan Smith ranked 30th in the, in the class overall. I did not love the edge class very much, though. And he was, he was for me, like clearly my, my, my third edge. And when the Eagles were like rumored to be taking him at 10, you saw that in a lot of mock drafts. I was like, okay, like I remember you brought this up, like Nolan Smith at 10, how will you feel? I was like, I'll get there. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool with that. I think it'll be early. You're reaching on an outlier, which is generally not great process, but I'll, I'll get my head around it. In this edge class, sure, go for it. And you're now you're you're looking at what we saw happen, right? Like Will McDonald's coming off the board at 15. Like Miles Murphy is off the board. Felix and Yuduke Uzoma, who to me is like a, was like a round three guy, goes one pick later to the Chiefs. The Eagles got in terms of like the value at edge after Will Anderson, they got the best bang for their buck of, of all the players, in my opinion, who, who took who took pass rushers. Uh, they they bring in Nolan Smith at 30. They know how to get away with slash how to maximize that smaller edge rusher, right? Which you say, okay, like they did it with Hassan Reddick last year. And even if you have that response where it's like, well, you know, that was Jonathan Gannon and he's not there anymore. Sean Desai coming from Seattle where they had Uchenna Nwosu. I don't Nwosu have that had- response, by the way. I will yeah. not. We'll, we'll get to Johnny Gans in a few minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, even if you <laughs> want to say like, all right, like Reddick had a great season last season, but he's only been an Eagle for a year and it was with a different defensive coordinator. So you can't like really put too many eggs in that basket. Sean Desai last year helped coach Uchenna Nwosu in Seattle to a career season. Uchenna Nwosu is a sub 250 pound rusher. It's a little bit different, but still. Good point. And Nuosa was a player who I, I, I at times would, would flicker in my head when I watched uh, uh, Nolan Smith. I eventually gave him a, a son Reddick comp. But that that toughness into contact, man, that oh, violence, oh, aggression, oh, step down, forklift, separate, tackle. Like Nolan Smith loves to defend the run. And there's times where, where you see that physicality, like, oh, that reminds me of a Chen Nuosu. Uh, Smith being such a good run defender is really nice uh, because you're going to be able to get him and Reddick on the field at the same time and not feel completely liable to the run, which just gives you some nice flexibility. Obviously, Josh Sweat is still going to be your primary like run defending edge. Brandon Graham has been a great run defender a long time, despite being a little bit of a shorter and a little bit of a lighter like outside linebacker. He's going to be a great influence on Nolan Smith. And you can control the situations where Nolan's in. Like if you want to have Nolan just back up us on Reddick and he's only on the field when Reddick needs a breather, you can do that in year one. If you want him to be able to play like stand up outside linebacker, like stand up Sam and and and, and drop him into coverage. He did that a little bit of Georgia. He can hang with that. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do in year one to get Nolan Smith to impact the defense a little bit. And then you do more stuff in year two, and he takes on more roles, and Brandon Graham leaves, and now he's a bigger job and whatever. And so it's a it's a great forward-facing pick, year two, year three, while also still having year one utility, which is just lovely. Like, that's just, that's just delightful, right? Uh, the last thing I would say, uh, particularly for the Nolan Smith thing, is uh, you don't get to draft edge rushers that run sub 4-4 all the time. Like, it, it, the edge rusher position is getting smaller, it's getting lighter, and it's getting faster. Smith represents like the cutting edge of that. I don't know if the league is really ready fully for sub 240 pound rushers, but it's getting this way. And so they, you're, you're kind of pushing the boundary on, 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 on where the, the innovation of the position is going. And you might hit on a guy because the reason why you're scared of these sub 240 pound rushers, these lighter dudes, is because of the lack of run defense. And Nolan Smith is just so good against the run. Like if a guy's going to succeed at this side, it's going to be with this disposition, with this demeanor, with this technique. He's so good technically against the run, taking on pullers, taking on blockers, stepping down. 
He's going to eat, like, this is a valuable player. I shouldn't say that. This is the sort of sub-240 pound rusher, sub-250 pound rusher that can be a really valuable player, that can get it done, that can be one of the guys that's the exception to the rule in terms of playing light at this position. So there's, there's, there's a ton of reason for optimism around Nolan Smith. I'll be interested to see how they use him in year one. Like, inevitably, when we do, you know, some July pod, what are you looking for in training camp? What do you want to see in the preseason games? Five big questions. One of mine is going to be like, where are they playing Nolan Smith? Where, where, how is he lining up? Where is he standing? Like, what's, what's, what's the plan for year one? So I'll be curious to see how they onboard him. But I think when you widen this arc out to two or three years, you have a lot of reasons to be excited about Nolan Smith being an Eagle. Yeah, for me, it's almost easier to see him, his role immediately, like you were carving out. Like, I think he will just be uh, Hassan Reddick's backup and basically take those snaps when Hassan Reddick comes off the field. Not guaranteed, but that's kind of how I view it. Where if Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, and Hassan Reddick are all healthy, to me, the question is you know, Reddick's under contract for two more years. Can Nolan Smith develop into that? good of a player that Hassan Reddick is right now where that comp fits. And we'll see, like I said, the the pass rush production wasn't exactly there in college, but we've all had the discussions before about Georgia defenders. It's like, it's very hard to project what they did there uh, into what they're going to do in the NFL. But from a a, a value uh, perspective, it seemed like, you know, really what the Eagles would probably describe as the best case scenario for him to still be there at number 30, I think Howie Roseman said, yes, they got some calls about trading out, but they were like, we don't want to get too cute here. This is actually a player we really like. Let's just stay put and go ahead yeah. and take him. And so I think that, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah on NFL Network's coverage, and I know, you know, he he knows Howie and is uh, tight with some people with the Eagles, but he was just like beside himself. Like, how did they end up with Jalen Carter at uh, nine and Nolan Smith at 30? Drafting like, is just very not, easy. This is not fair. The NFL draft, very easy. That's the main thing to take away. Like people all the time, a draft is hard. Ludicrous suggestion. Now, draft very easy. Who are the Georgia defenders? I'll take them all. Go birds. Can you believe we're gonna have to cover dra- another Eagle? We're gonna have to cover another Eagle Super Bowl next year. Remember how tired we were in February? We have to do it all again, Shield. Ridiculous. I mean, I was just looking at the NFC landscape and like Yeah, you were I would not, you know. I would not pick them to go back. You know, the teams that go and lose typically do not get back. But you tell me who the other who the team is that's good. That's Eagle, better dude, than them. Eagles in the Seattle NFC, NFC right Championship now. game. Just the two biggest winners of draft night. Just going head to head. While everybody like the Niners don't get to pick for another like hour, and yeah. no one else exists. Lions flubbed it. Yeah, if the, li- if the Lions a, had a better a, a, night. Yeah, if the yeah. Lions had a better night. Now, we can't get too much into the other stuff because we're going to be recording an extra point taken on Monday where we'll just be firing NFL takes feed. at each other. That's right. So I'm not going to ask you about too many of those other takes right now. But yeah, the, I mean, the Lions came into the night where there's a scenario where right now I'd be saying, ooh, the Lions look like their best competition in the NFC. Uh, it did not play out where I'm going to say the Lions are their best competition nope. in the NFC. All right. Let's finish with a couple things here. First, let's get to uh, the tampering, which was just a, I mean, if you're an Eagles fan who loved this night, just that was like a nice little appetizer, like a nice yeah. little, I don't know, well, like a little, little dip a little mozzarella stick into a little uh, sauce. I don't know. What's a great appetizer? They're, I can't think of uh, great appetizers right now, but I love uh, an appetizer. I love a spinach or artichoke dip. That's a great one. Okay. Love a spring now, roll. Talk about getting in your teeth. Oh yeah, love yeah. a spring roll. Oh, spring, How do you not get a spring roll? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
I like to imagine the tampering in negotiation went this way. Eagles were talking with the Cardinals about potentially moving up to three. Like they, they were doing calls, doing the due diligence. Okay, what would the price be? Maybe it'd be this. I don't know if we want to offer that much. We have other offers. Okay, maybe we're not going to do it. Thanks for the call, Monty Austin Fort, GM of the Cardinals. I appreciate it. Oh, and by the way, before you hang up real quick, you remember how you talked to Jonathan Gannon earlier than you were supposed to? And Monty's just like, yeah. Like, what if you uh what if you saw us as the 62nd overall pick in exchange for 94 and a fifth? Monty's being like, yeah. Because that that news breaking right before the draft really made it feel like the Eagles did all that negotiation 10 to 3. Definitely came to fruition. They were like, all right, well, let's just do the tampering thing then real quick. While I have you on the phone, let's just handle that one time you called Jonathan Gannon. That's right. After the NFC Championship game when you weren't supposed to. Imagine tampering for Jonathan Gannon. I I literally cannot. What are you thinking? (laughs) My mind cannot get there. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, samosa and Popti Chat, by the way, for my, you know, if you're going to an Indian restaurant, the apps are often better than the main, main course. Go with the samosa Love an app. and a Popti Chat. Uh, yeah, so, there, so that was the story. Uh, Monty Austin Ford had a phone conversation with Jonathan Gannon after the NFC Championship game, which is illegal. And so they swap 66 for 94. And then the Eagles give the Cardinals a 2024 fifth round pick. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is a liar. I mean, this is coming out like he may be a serial liar, honestly. Uh, Jeff McLean had Talk a couple a of tweets that had me just rolling. Yeah, he said, Jonathan Gannon had said when he was hired that he didn't know about the Cardinals' interest until Howie Roseman informed him of their interview request just after the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, that seemed like a lie at the time, and it's just funny that we get that confirmed as a lie. Jeff McLean also tweeted, I asked Gannon days prior about the Cardinals rumor, and he said he told his agent after the interview window closed a few weeks earlier not to talk to him about head coaching opportunities until after the Super Bowl, yeah. and he's fielding calls about taking Gannon job. Also By the way, said, Gannon also said when the Eagles were 9-0 and and they yes. were leading the league in sacks, Eagles yes. media was calling for him to be fired, which the Eagles did not have that record and were not leading the league in sacks at that time. And no reporter was at a press conference telling him he should be fired. So is he a serial liar? Uh, It's possible. Let me just go on the record one more time. The defense sucked in his first year. The defense was loaded last year and had tremendous injury luck and faced horrible quarterbacks. And so the stats were good. They got cooked by any time they faced a good quarterback. They got cooked. Gannon apparently thought he was the reason for their success. He was not the reason. Howie Roseman assembled a good roster. The good roster played well. It was nothing that they did schematically. When it came time in a big spot to get one stop on four possessions in the Super Bowl to hoist the Lombardi Trophy, his group could not do that, and that was largely on him. I am very thankful that I don't have to watch his film anymore. However, I do like this new twist of him just lying about stuff, and I will be following that closely, and we will be talking about that on the Rangers Philly special. I will also say, Gannon, the strong no-break suit pants, high above the ankle, into loafers with no socks, which rocking the same fit as Cliff Kingsbury in Cliff's job is bold. <laughs> it's aggressive. You're also not as handsome as Cliff. It just feels a little bit like a redux. Oh, I don't know if I love it. Uh, by the way, just hitting such a strong Philly podcast trope, 
the Eagles just had like one of the best draft nights ever coming off of a Super Bowl. And we're like, dude, John Gannon is so annoying. He's not even here anymore. He's gone. He's in Arizona. We got to get the negativity and Negadelphians coming out. Had to had to get that in there. I was honestly was mad at myself for not getting it in earlier. All right, let's finish with this. Day two of the draft. The Eagles have picks 62 and pick 66. Uh, 62 is end of the second round. 66 is start of the third round. After that, they only have right now two seventh rounders, 219 and 248. So I feel strongly that they will be trading back at least one of those picks on yeah. Friday, quite possibly both of those picks to add more draft capital. But uh, I got some names here written down. Give me some of your names, uh, guys that you wouldn't mind seeing the Eagles draft on day two. If you, uh, I didn't prep you for this, so if you want me to go first, let me know. No, yeah, go first. Let me grab a couple names because if you popped to okay. mind, but I'm curious yeah. who you got. Well, I know one that we're both going to have, and that's uh, our boy, DJ Turner. Yes, cornerback sir. From Michigan. Now, is he going to last till 62? Maybe not. But hey, if, any, if tonight taught us anything, it's that this thing is uh, pretty unpredictable. So who knows? So we both like a DJ Turner. They didn't grab a corner in the first round. That's still a position of need in the long term. That might be a nice pick. Steve Avila. The guy I had in my seven-round mock, interior offensive lineman from TCU. They didn't go offensive lineman in the first round. Maybe they get in a villa. Maybe they get Ben's boy, Matthew Matthew Bergeron. Bergeron. Yeah, he's got to be high on the list, right? Offensive tackle out of Syracuse that Ben liked. Uh, Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane. Now, that will be more of a trade back. Again, we mentioned I love Tajay Spears, but there could be a medical there where maybe he even lasts into day three. That's another name I wrote down. And then I'm not ruling out a tight end just based on a best available player. It's not a position of need. I don't think they'll reach. Maybe they even try to trade back if that's their best player. But if they're sitting there and they say Tucker Craft of South Dakota State, Sam Laporta of Iowa, if they say, hey, we have these guys graded high, they're first on our board, let's go ahead and take them. Those were a couple more names I wrote down. Did I miss anybody? Do you have anybody else you want to make sure you get on the record before we turn yeah. the page to day two? So I would say a safety didn't go at all, right? Like Brian Branch wasn't selected. There was Antonio Correct. Johnson. Yeah, Branch Daniel didn't Sneakin. go. Yeah, and so uh, Branch, Antonio Johnson, like Jair Brown, the Iowa State kid whose name I can't remember, but their current DB's coach is from Iowa State. Um, like, safety wouldn't surprise me, given the fact that, like, no nobody from the class has left yet, and so just, like, there's going to be a lot of names available. Um, and then I love so very much Drew Sanders, the linebacker out of Arkansas, who I think would be interesting for them as, like, a really good height-weight speed guy. Really? No, he, but he's not, he's not, like, a total... He's not, like, a total off ball guy right he's sort of a tweener type rush the passer a little yeah, bit so type he, guy. he started at edge rusher at alabama transferred to arkansas and they played him off ball i think like teams are going to think about him as like oh he can play in the michael parsons role which yeah the eagles probably have enough undersized edge rushers but they got room to play him off ball and like it's him or trent simpson who's the same high weight speed and i don't think he's as good or they're going to go for somebody who's super small and they already have a Nicobe Dean, right? It's like, I like if they're taking a Henry Toto or like a Noah Sewell out of Alabama and Oregon, respectively, who are like bigger thumper types, I just don't think that's that's their way. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't think those would be good selections. Uh, so, I mean, Sanders, I bring up just because I think Sanders is super talented and he's a high tier athleticism. And so he's going to register for them. Um, you brought up the offensive lineman and then outside of the corner, posi- at, at corner, outside of DJ Turner. 
think just looking at that pick at 62 now and starting to think about who can be there, not a pick that they previously were holding. Uh, Julius Brents out of Kansas State, I think, mm-hmm. is, a, is a guy that fits their mold, fits their high weight speed, fits their explosiveness. He's got scheme versatility to him. And then Garrett Williams as well, who I like quite a bit out of uh, Syracuse, is another guy who fits that that mold. And so Turner, a little bit smaller, a little bit more of like the inside-outside versatility. Williams and Julius Brents, those are outside players. Those are guys to back up uh, Slam Bradbury, which I still think is important for them. Uh, so day two names to watch. Great names. Uh, Garrett Williams, also a Fran Duffy uh, favorite. So he is a guy who Fran smart. had an injury. Fran, Fran Smart uh, cookie. There you go. A very good player. All right. You know what? I never. The last thing. The reason I was asking if you brushed your teeth is because what I did is I flossed, I brushed my teeth, I came back down, I got hungry, and now I ate peanuts, and now I got to go brush my teeth again. Some things make you question what you're doing with your life. Uh, that was one of them for me. This happens way too often. Maybe like once a month, I do something like that. So that's why I was asking about the okay. toothbrush. I just brush my teeth at the regular okay. times. Yeah. And while I do, I doubt that Rolex I actually need to do it. I'm suspicious. Rolex of Rolex been up for, how would he been up for like 21 hours straight? Like I saw you tweeting this morning. I'm like, aren't you on the West Coast? What is it? 5 a.m. there? I couldn't. You didn't sleep. I felt, you were too excited. I, I, woke, I woke up early and I couldn't fall back asleep. I was jacked up. I was jacked up. I was feeling it. Uh, I spent the entire day trying to figure out how that the first few picks were going to go. And then eventually we got it right there at the end. But man, what a weird, weird draft. Everybody was wrong about everything. Everybody was lying. It was bananas trying to bet this thing out. I ended up in the green. I ended up had a pretty good draft day. It wasn't like last year, but it was solid day one. But it was it was the the entire draft overall was insane. That run of picks in the middle ten, what was what happened? Jameer Gibbs into Will McDonald into Emmanuel Forbes mm-hmm. into Jack Campbell into Klaja oh Gansey. I can't believe Forbes went before Christian Gonzalez. That was yeah. shocking. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs at 12, and the Lions were like, thank goodness we were able to get him while he was falling. I beg yeah. pardon? Are you sure? Yeah. Jack Campbell. I, I, have a, Jack. I have a feeling you and I are going to be having a long conversation about the Detroit oh, our Lions, Lions they on Monday us. night. On can, we get, can, we get a few right. minutes of, can we get a few minutes of the venerable Clifford Augustine? Yeah, Cliff, give, give, give us your... Uh, I think I mean look at Cliff. Cliff is smiling. He's fired up. It's almost three a.m. Yeah. You have to produce like your fortieth pot of the day. Yet you're all smiles because you're so pumped about what the Eagles did. Is that accurate? Oh my goodness! Did you guys just see what just happened tonight? Like this is <laughs> it's easy. Plus plus it's draft, easy. Baby. Like, come on, man! This guy Howie Roseman. A few years ago, we wanted him fired for. All the disastrous after Jalen Hurts was picked, we wanted him fired. Yep. After all the crazy things that he did, and we somehow got two blue chip talents, like you say, Shill, right? Like it was, I, I thought it was either one or the other. And you some somehow yeah. he to thirty because the teams like the Lions picking picking Jameer Gibbs at twelve, which is which is <laughs> a story for another day. But my Lions disappointed me, but still, like, bro, you got. Nolan Smith and you got Jalen Carter, the best player in the draft. Like you already won the draft right there. Like, what do you, what do you need next? You know, like We're, maybe take, yeah. yeah. Chill. What if we get your boy Tajay Spears? Like how crazy oh, would this man. draft be on top of a loaded See, that's team? That's my already? question. That was my question. Cliff is was when Bijan yeah. left the board at eight to the Falcons was a little part of you. Like, no, my boy, my son, or were you just like, all right, Jalen Carter's there at nine. Ball game. Here we go. What was the reaction? So, so it's funny you say that because I knew the Eagles were going to be very much in play for Carter when Bijan got taken. I was like, 
all right, this kind of stinks because Bijan did get taken by the Falcons. By the way, I love that pick. A lot of people were killing him for that, but I, I think they did a I think that was a that good pick. pick for them. Yeah. And um once once I was like, oh, the, they're trade who's trading with the who's trading with the Bears? And then I saw the Eagles right there, and then they only give up a fourth rounder next year. I said, ah, yep, that's Jalen Carter coming to Philly, man. Oh man, I, I'm guys, I'm really ecstatic. I can't believe what, what we just did. This is crazy. We're going to have to do this all over again next season. Like, are y'all ready for yes, that? <laughs> I mean, that that defensive line, yeah, the potential. Right. You just look at the two deep on the defensive line. It is, I mean, think of Edge. You got uh, you got Sweat, Reddick, Nolan Smith, and Brandon Graham at Edge. Derek Barnett's still on the team, right? All right, so you got a fifth one there. You got you Fletcher the, Cox. Derek Barnett, man. I'm sorry. Doing? I'm sorry, Derek Barnett. So You're right. No, that was a deserved strike for Derek Barnett. <laughs> Yeah, Super Bowl I was Derek just thinking the Lions are catching the Lions are catching 10 strays on a Philly special pot. But then defensive tackle, you got Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, uh, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams. <laughs> like, like, holy cow. Right. You got, you got we, nine we guys who can start. The Eagles might break that sack record again. Like, right, running think back. about that. Oh, no, not without Jonathan Gannon scheming. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able yeah. to do that. Absolutely. Also, also, I'm so right. sick of that guy. Like, come on, bro. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> bro he's like kingsbury 2.0 but worse like i I don't even know what to make of him remember all the crazy stuff cliff uh was saying when he first came to the cardinals and then just was a disaster like throughout his entire tenure with the cardinals ending with kyle murray getting hurt and this this guy again and like he comes in here tampering i mean making by the way trading he wasn't tampering he was tampered for Tampered for, like, make, yeah. saying, yeah, you know, not in no record. The Eagles still wanted me fired, and we led the league in sacks, blah, 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 blah. Like, brother, you, you lost us the Super Bowl. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't wish you. Like, just, you know, like, just get over it. Get get down there in Arizona. Get down in the desert. Make sure, you know, <laughs> you guys don't mess up some more picks. And, and, you know, hopefully you're not out of there in two years, okay? <laughs> oh my gosh! So we're ending on that. I have nothing else to add. I'm delirious, Cliff. No, Cliff, I, like me, just had to get that in there. I, love yeah, it. I didn't want to go on no crazy tangent, but I mean, I'm fed up with him. I'm so. Oh, scared. I loved it. I'm so I thoroughly scared, enjoyed bro. it, bro. He is. He is so <laughs> annoying. Like just, just, just be in Arizona, be fourth in NFC West, and be forgotten about. Okay, just please. And then be back, be be back being a position coach in three years. That that's that's. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. You, I yeah. feel the same way. All right, I'm I'm not even gonna try to top that. Let let's wrap it up. That was awesome. Glad we got Cliff's takes. As always, we'll be back Friday night talking about what they did day two, day three. Thank you f- to Cliff for producing this late night, early morning, whatever it is. Thank you to Benny Souls. I am Shiel Kapadia. Appreciate everyone listening. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.